back to the Heart and the Brain podcast show where we discuss general health, fitness, and science. This is the final episode of the special micronutrient series where we'll be talking about strong bones from calcium and fibrous phosphate. Whether you're walking your dog, driving to work, or doing household chores, I hope that you enjoy this final adventure about these things. So, uh, last episode, we talked about how calcium wears several hats. We also talked about how phosphate wears several hats. And I introduced to you how these, these two intertwine when it comes to bone tissue. I do want to dive a little deeper in this episode. This was previously designed for a singular episode, but I wanted to break it out into two halves for a better understanding, of course. So, let's pick it, yeah, let's pick it back up where we talk about bone. Okay. Last episode, we talked about hydroxyapatite, which is the calcium phosphate compound in your bone. So, osteoblasts. These are specialized for bone formation, and there are osteoclasts, which are specialized for the resorption, which is taking calcium away from the bone. The activity of osteoblasts is influenced by PTH, your parathyroid hormone, estrogen, and the active form of vitamin D because it has receptors for all of those. Remember that there are also important vitamin K-dependent proteins in your bone, such as osteocalcin, which is the bone matrix protein, and matrix gla, which is a calcium-binding protein that facilitates bone tissue organization. These gla residues have binding sites for calcium ions when glue residues need gamma carboxylation in order for blood clotting factors to activate. See, now we're tying in the vitamin K lecture, vitamin D lecture, and also this one. Um, when it comes to understanding how these micronutrients work together. Osteoclasts, on the other hand, determine how your bone breaks down by acidifying the hydroxyapatite crystals to maintain calcium and phosphate concentrations in your blood. Okay, so osteoclasts, they have receptors for calcitonin, and calcitonin actually inhibits its activity, unfortunately. However, indirectly, osteoclasts can respond to parathyroid hormone and active vitamin D via osteoblast mediation, which is basically the mechanism where signals from rankle from osteoblasts um, are transmitted through the rank receptor on osteoblasts to stimulate the survival of its counterpart of osteoclasts. So let's, fu- let's go through a full summary of this, okay? All right. So when the active, um, like starting from the active vitamin D, okay? So 25 OHD, it gets bound to the vitamin D binding protein, and then it's sent to your circulation. Megalin recognizes this couple, and then it gets one alpha hydroxylase, which is our great friend that converts it to converts 25 OHD to its active form before it does more work. Your thyroid hormone will have calcium sensing receptors, so when calcium is low, it will secrete the parathyroid hormone, and it will increase the one alpha hydroxylase activity to increase the active vitamin D increase calcium reabsorption in the kidney, and then bind to um, PTH receptors in the osteoblast to simulate the production of rankle. We need the production of rankle so that the osteoclast can get rankle binding to increase bone resorption because it doesn't have receptors um, for the special things that we talked about that osteoblasts have. Right? Genomically, the active vitamin D and its vitamin D receptor will heterodimerize with RxR. Talk about how RxR in previous episodes how it's super bad uh, like a master regulator um, because the VDRE will 
heterodimerize with the RxR, and then it will increase the expression of um, CAT1, which is the calcium um, channel calbindin, and phosphate transporters for calcium and phosphate absorption to increase. So we're tying back all of these receptors, all these enzymes together to see how calcium and phosphate absorption increases when these feedback loops are activated. Alright, so that's when that's when calcium in the blood is low. But like what happens when calcium in the blood is high? Right? We get our buddy, not really a buddy, friend of me, I would say, 24 hydroxylase, which increases the breakdown of vitamin D. And um, when calcium is way too high, the calcium receptors, the calcium sensing receptors, right, it'll inhibit your parathyroid hormone secretion, and instead your thyroid gland will secrete calcitonin to inhibit osteoclastin, osteocytes, and they will secrete the FRF, right, to inhibit 1-alpha hydroxylase and increase 24-hydroxylase, leading to, like, respectively, like, decreased calcium and phosphate absorption in the intestine and kidney. So, that was the whole picture greatly painted for your understanding of how calcium and phosphate interact with your bone to maintain plasma levels. This is a wrap of the 11 episode micronutrient series and I really hope that you have a deeper understanding of how these wonderful micronutrients play such an integral role in your body. I really do hope that diving deep into the mechanism of these biocompounds was definitely a ride full of scientific excitement and curiosity for my science aficionados out there. These mechanisms, once we learn how to leverage them and apply them to everyday science-based tools, can last a lifetime in how we have enhanced quality of life um, improve performance, either your academic, professional, or even um, like sports-related performance too. And lastly, just your perception of how nutrition impacts your body as a whole. We're definitely going to be diving deeper and deeper into ex- like extensive series about um, all sorts of science um, as my way to express my passion and really increase the ways that science is communicated. Um, as a college senior. Anyway, I'm going to leave you with the same message I leave you in every single one of these Dear Heart and the Brain podcast episodes. Keep that brain sharp, keep that heart healthy, and go dominate. Thank you so much for your time and attention, and above all, thank you for your interest in science.